0: Happy New Year. And like Billy said, we're, we're uh, taking a pause from our normal thing. And at the beginning of every year, we like to do what we call a mission update. It's kind of like family business Sunday where we talk about some nuts and bolts stuff and uh, any important things. We look at finances, talk about any just kind of nuts and bolts things or business things pertaining to the church. And um, for some of you, you love that. For some of you, this is like most dreaded Sunday in the world. But I, I really believe that God has something for every single one of us. So if this is your church, um, please don't leave. If it's not your church, uh, I can't tell you to you know, make you stay, but we're happier here. I'm sorry that this is a different kind of Sunday, but you're going to learn a lot about Reality Ventura today. This is a way for us to look back at 2018 and kind of take stock and look at our missional faithfulness. Would you pray with me? Lord, you've been faithful um, in 2018, and you've been faithful for generations uh, before that. So we can count on your faithfulness to carry us through whatever 2019 might hold. We ask, Lord, even as we just discuss some kind of business stuff and some family matters, things, that uh, we'd even, we'd know your nearness even in, in this stuff that can otherwise seem very mundane. I ask that you would anoint me, my lips and my mind and heart as I communicate um, these things. And thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the good thing you're doing here in, in kingdom family-ness among, among us, your church. So we look to you as the Father of the kingdom, as the head of the table, so to speak, as we sit down to talk about these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start off by uh, talking about finances, and then we're going to talk about our team a little bit, because we made some changes to the team that are important for everyone to know. And then we're going to end today by doing a little exercise uh, together, not like run around exercise, like a exercise together. So first of all, finances. Uh, and two questions we like to answer with finances is, one, how is our giving and generosity at Reality Ventura? And two, how are we as a church financially investing that in the kingdom? And the numbers that we'll be looking at are for our fiscal year 2018, which is start, started in uh, September 2017, went through August 2018. So the amount of money given through gifts in fiscal year 2018 was $1.62 million. That is a 5.9% increase from the year before. Um, yeah, amen. Now, that's awesome. And here is is why... A 5.9% increase is awesome, which represents about $100,000 this last year. It's not primarily awesome because more money is always better. As those of you who have more money know, sometimes more money just means more problems, right? But somebody said, hey man, God doesn't need money to do his work, but he does use money to do his work. And $100,000 a year is awesome because it means that there's more resources to invest in more kingdom work and more kingdom people. Additionally, though, the increase of 6% means an increase in generosity on behalf of us, the church, the people of God. Um, more of you gave this year than had given the year before. Not everyone gave, only 58% actually of the church gave. Um, But of those who did give, that 58%, the average person gave about $3,000 this last year. Now, for some of us, we gave quite a bit more. Some of us, we gave quite a bit less. But for some of you who gave even just a little bit, it was the beginning of you giving, and it, it hurt. It felt like, you know, you've given a million dollars. But you chose to be generous. And as a church, we increased in generosity. And what happens when we begin to increase in generosity is we begin to character, our partner rather, with the character of God. Because God is generous in nature. So as a church then, how are we financially investing that money? In the kingdom. Well, the first thing that's important for us to know as a church, one of the things we value, is that we are committed to investing in others. So last year, one hundred eighty-nine thousand dollars went outside of these walls. There's obviously ministry and good stuff that happens, very connected and within these walls and right here in Ventura and a part of reality Ventura. But outside of the walls, we sent out twelve uh, percent of the budget, which is one hundred eighty-nine thousand. It's always our goal to send, and we always do, to send at least 10% of the money outside of anything having really to do directly with Reality Ventura or right here in in this building. Secondly, we are committed to investing in people. So first, we're committed to investing in others, but we're committed to investing as people, as you'll see on this pie chart right here. That big portion on the bottom uh, is personnel, if you can't see that. And we're invested... I'm sorry, we're committed to investing in people. You see that 50% of that budget went to investing in kingdom people within specifically Reality Ventura. That's our staff and our team who then in turn invest in other people. Just an FYI, the best practice for churches is to keep that number for personnel under 55 to 60% of your yearly budget. So by the grace of God, we've been able to do that. Next, you'll see. We mentioned this already, but the 12% that went outside of the church walls was specifically to church planning and global ministry. These are two ways that we believe in investing in the kingdom work and kingdom people. And we use, FYI, in case you're new here, we use the uh, the the term global ministry instead of missions and the phrase global partners instead of missionaries for a couple of reasons. One, uh, every Christian is a missionary. We are all sent people. Jesus said, go therefore into all the nations, not just those nations, but this nation as well. And so wherever you are and wherever you are going, you have been sent there as a missionary, technically speaking. But secondly, we don't use um, those terms because uh, for security purposes, some of our global partners out in the field are in places or going to places that are hostile to the gospel of Jesus and to Christianity. And so we use what we believe to be an accurate but more obscure term. And our sending strategy as a church for sending people to the nations um, is very thorough. It usually lasts several years until someone gets on the field and it's, there's a lot of hoops to jump through and a lot of conversations to be had because we want to make sure that if we're going to partner with those people, we can really provide the support that they need, not just financially, but also relationally. Um, and so it's a very slow, methodical process. Right now, uh, Reality Ventura has three global partners or groups of partners out on the field that are there long-term, like committed to the nations for potentially probably the rest of their lives. And then there are two more families uh, in the pike right now. We also have global friends. So those are global partners. We have global friends who are not partners, but we do support them financially. And they provide for us a lot and lots of wisdom because they've been on the field for a lot of them longer than I've been alive. Um, and then we have global connections who are not partners, they're not friends, they're global connections, people or ministries that we believe in, but um, we, we are involved in a way less hands-on kind of way. And then we believe that God uses the planting of new churches. We call it uh, birthing churches because it takes a long time and it's kind of painful. Uh, so we, we believe in birthing churches and that's how God brings people primarily. It's the primary way that God goes out and reaches people to bring them into his kingdom and so as a family of churches reality like all of the reality churches together birth new churches as we are led to do so and the last couple of years we birthed two new churches one in london and then one in honolulu and so when that happens all the reality churches the family of churches rally together and financially support the new church until it's self-sustaining which usually takes a couple of years some of you may notice that um, the percent of funds that went out, that 12%, is lower than the last several years. And this is due mostly to, to the fact that when we were at campus with Reality Carp and SB, that part of our global budget was going toward... Um, the salaries of the global staff, which was a very robust team of several people in Carpinteria that we felt like we needed to develop in order to accomplish the vision that we had for the nations. But when we became autonomous, we decided that we didn't want our global staff to be paid from the global budget. We wanted the staff, the global staff, to be paid from our staff budget so that we could free up more money to actually go out to the field, to the nations. And so that's why that number is different if you, if you notice that from previous updates. Um, and it's, it's my prayer that that number, that 12%, would increase exponentially year over year as we partner more with God's generous heart and give more, that we would then, as we are giving, that we would be giving so much, there'd be so much money there that we'd be having a hard time finding enough places and enough kingdom work and enough kingdom people to invest in. That's a a dream of mine and something you can join me in praying that God would really do that in us as a church. Uh, Moving on here, 15% of our budget went to facilities. Um, You always try to keep that number below 25%. um, And thankfully, we own this building and by the grace of God, been able to do that. 9% of our budget went to operations. Operations is anything from a youth budget to fixing computers that break. And then uh, we were able to save some money this last year. We were able to save 14%. And then we were able to take that 14%, which is about $220,000, and add it to some other reserves that we have. And so we have this reserve fund of almost half a million dollars right now. And we don't save money just to save it, like, oh, save it for a rainy day. Like, we might do that in our personal lives or whatever. Uh, We don't do that as a church because we try to, like, keep the money working in the kingdom of God. But from time to time, there are things that we... Believe we should be reserving it for something as practical as our air conditioners are all going to go out in the next two years, and it's going to cost you know fifty thousand dollars to fix all of them or whatever. Two, man, we have the space next door that God has given us, and we're we're using about ten percent of what it could be used for. We really have a desire uh, to build that out to be used for more kingdom work, and that's going to cost you know probably a million and a half bucks or something like that. Or, some of you guys might know better. Maybe it's $2 million. And so we're trying to put money away to save for that so that we can use that building uh, for what it really should be used for. Um, before I move on from this finance thing, I just want to say, I just want uh, to take a moment here to say something as a brother. Um, this is not really me being like pastor guy. This is just me like a friend and a Christian. to. A word to those who are, don't have a pattern in your lives of giving financially generously. And before I say this, before you get freaked out and think like, oh, he's going to ask for money. That's weird. Uh, this says my end goal here is not for you to give to Reality Ventura. Listen, Reality Ventura is in the healthiest financial place that it's been at in a very long time. And if you're wondering about my motives, please don't give here. Please don't get here. That is not my motivation. What I'm about to say is the same kind of stuff that I say to uh, new Christians that I meet from around the world who will never give to Reality Ventura and don't even know what Reality Ventura is. And quite frankly, that I say to my own kids as they, as they get money. And uh, I do that because I care about them. I care about their lives, not because their $1 tithe is like needed at Reality Ventura. So this is me and all the love in my heart and care just wanting to give some free advice that just might change your life, okay? Some free advice that just might change your life. To tithe means to give 10%, which was a command in the Mosaic law, okay? Old covenant. But nowhere in the New Testament is tithing, giving 10%, commanded under the new covenant. However... The new covenant, there is a command to give. But it doesn't say give 10%. Instead, it says give generously. Okay, it kind of leaves this like freedom for the Christian. Give generously. And so for some of us, that's going to mean, you know, a lot more than 10%. And so first item of free advice here give generously to the work of God, to the people of God, and to those in need. The New Testament it does command the Christian to give to those who are working to spread the good news of Jesus, to give to the poor, and to give to those who are in need. And when we give, it is to be done as an act of worship and with a joyful heart. That's why we say, when we call the ushers forward, we're going to continue our time of worship now through our giving. And it's to be done as an act of worship and with a joyful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. So give joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 67 says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Okay, that's key. Don't, don't give if you're given reluctantly or under compulsion or some weird legalistic thing on you. But God loves a cheerful giver. So, listen, I don't care where you give. I don't care how much you give, but you should be giving and giving generously because if you're a Christian, you not being generous is actually uh, taken away from you. You're actually missing out because you were designed to find joy in generosity. And like I said before, you actually get to partner with the character of God because God is generous in nature. And not just when we have plenty, but also when we have little. So, again, it's, it's great if you don't give to what's happening at Reality material. But if you don't have a practice of giving somewhere, you should uh, give somewhere. And you should give often. And it can start small. You know, I remember my mom telling me that uh, she didn't give ever to the work of the Lord or the people of the Lord until she was, I was out of the house. She was maybe in her 40s and God just started working in her heart, you know, and she said, you know, it started with five bucks, and she grew up in a house of 12 kids, so like, you don't give away money, right, like you need every dime when you got 12 kids in your house, and so she was like, I never, I was never generous, I needed every single dollar, and so for me to show up and give five dollars at church was like, I don't know how to part with a five dollar bill, and so it was like, But she did it in joy and then, you know, it grew as time went on. And so I'm not saying like even giving you a number. There is freedom in the New Testament and in the New Covenant. I'm not giving you a number or even a percentage. So maybe it starts small, but start the discipline of giving. And if you don't have the faith and the joy to give abundantly, then start the discipline of giving even something small. But only if you can find joy in doing it. And it's not that God needs your money or that the church needs your money. Like I said, we're in one of the best places ever at Reality Ventura right now financially. God doesn't need our money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And from what I can tell in scripture, Jesus didn't have a whole lot of money. I mean, he was having to do miracles anytime he wanted to feed people, right? And he didn't have a place to lay his head. And yet he healed hundreds and redeemed mankind without a big budget. So God doesn't need our money to do his work, but he does want our hearts. Listen, God doesn't need our money, but he does want our hearts. And so often our hearts are wrapped around our money. That's why there's more verses in the Bible about money than anything else. Not because God loves money, but because God loves people and people love money, right? So give generously and joyfully. And as we give generously and joyfully, it untangles our hearts from our money, allowing space to connect our hearts to God's. When we start giving generously and joyfully to the work of God, the people of God, and those in need, then we begin to essentially disconnect our hearts from the potential idolatry of money, and we begin to put our finances and how we feel about our finances in the hands of God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I don't care how much money you got, I don't care how wealthy you are, how stacked your portfolio is, or how wise of an investor you have been, there is nobody who does finances better than God. And when we begin to give, our hearts and our minds and our money starts to come into alignment with Him, allowing Him to be in control of our finances. Plus, God promises to respond to this kind of giving with blessing. Malachi 3, God rebukes Israel because they weren't tithing. But after he rebukes his people for basically robbing him, he does something and says something that he didn't say or do anywhere else in Scripture. He tells the people, I want you to test me in this. Everywhere else in Scripture, God's like, don't test me. And then here, he's like, I'm going to make one exception on this one. I want you to test me in this and see how I will respond in blessing. It's not going to be on the screen, but Malachi 3, 7 through 12 says this. The Lord says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord almighty. Jesus says a very similar thing in the New Testament, Luke 6. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And then Paul says, we we, uh, read part of it a minute ago, 2 Corinthians 9, and whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. One of the most enjoyable practices of my wife, Emily, and my life has been to give financially and generously to God's work and God's people and those in need, even when we didn't have a whole lot of extra, which has been pretty much our entire life. And then to sit back and watch God work his magic in our finances. I remember the first time we saw this on display, it was, uh, it was in 2005, and we just moved to Carpinteria, and I, I don't know if you know our story of moving to Carp, but um, we moved to Carpinteria with uh, no job, no house to live in, n- not a dollar in the bank, um, and no health insurance, even though my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, Selah and all we knew was god called us like it's so clear he's calling us this town we've never even heard of called Carbonaria, to be a part of this brandy church plant called reality and if he said that we're supposed to go then he's going to meet our needs and all of those other peripheral needs god did mean i have crazy stories about those but i just want to talk about money for a second because a week after we moved up to cart we didn't know anybody right nobody knew us my auntie uh, my auntie Phyllis. so i'm I'm half Sicilian, so that side of the family is about as Italian as Italian as you can get, right? And uh, my auntie comes up; she wants to see our new place. She's about like this tall, right? And she's feisty, and uh, she she hangs out with us, loves on us a bit, kisses us, hugs us, whatever. Makes us good food, and I think she brought us meatballs and cannolis. And uh, anyways, she's leaving, and she comes up to us, and this is like classic Italian family, right? She like kisses us, and then slaps us, and then grabs our cheek, my cheek, and she takes out a $20 bill, and she says, now spend this on yourself, okay? And I was like, okay, you do whatever auntie says, right? Like, you don't mess with auntie. And then she comes to my wife, and she kisses her, slaps her, grabs her cheek, pulls out a $20 bill, and says, now you spend this on yourself, okay? And we're like, okay, auntie. So the next day, we're at church, and, uh, They passed the the, like tithe offering bucket or whatever. And I didn't put put anything in, you know, we didn't have any money and I, I, you know, 20 bucks, dude. When you're like, when you're at that point, you ain't got no job, you just, God provided a house for you. You don't have any savings. You're like, dude, this is like, this is for groceries, right? This is not for the Lord. (laughs) This is for groceries. And so I didn't put no money in that thing. And then uh, my wife next to me dropped something in. And I was like. <laughs> and so I like leaned over and I was all, hey, I already tithed. Because like... we've always tied at least 10%, right, our whole marriage. And so I was like, I, I already tithed on all the money we got. Like What what you put in there? And she said. I just wanted to give the Lord everything that I had. And so I gave him that $20 bill from Auntie.
1: And I was like, dang, my am almost spiritual, you know?
0: <laughs> and here's how the economy of God works. After church, this young couple in their 20s in front of us turns around and they're like, hey, what are you guys' names? We saw you here last week and I hadn't led worship or anything, so nobody knew me. And uh, we're like, oh, Dominic and Emily and... They were like, how do you spell that? And we were like, uh, we told them, we're like, what's your last name? And, and they like wrote, you know, young couple wrote us this $100 check. And we were like, what, who are you? Like, we don't even know you, right? hundred bucks is a lot when you're first married, right? And we're like, oh my God, the Lord is like multiplying five times what we gave. He just like gave it back to us. And then before we leave the building, this couple comes up to us and says, hey, uh, we remember we met you guys last week and we know you're pregnant. You know, Emily was like six months pregnant or something at the time. And they said, this is a basket for you. And they handed us a basket. And we're like, oh my God, the Lord is providing. And then in the basket, there's a card. We open the card, there's a $500 check inside. And immediately I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like the Lord multiplying, multiplying, multiplying 30 fold. Is that what that is? 20 times 30, 600. The Lord just multiplying, right? And I was like, what? The Lord said, test me. And he said, hey, you guys, you test... No. Hey, Emily, you tested me. You tested me and I'm responding. I'm re- I told you. I told you, test me in this. Come and give generously and see if I will not open up the heavens and pour out such blessing to you that you can't contain. Now, I'm telling you what, when you're 22 years old, 600 bucks, feel like you feel like a millionaire, especially when you ain't got no money. Now I can spend 600 bucks on like a second, three kids... But at the time it was like God was teaching us, hey, this is how I do, this is how I do money in my kingdom. You wanna live in my kingdom? You wanna let me do your finances, Dom? I'm gonna do it like this. Or you can keep your 20 bucks like you did. <laughs> but your woman over here, she's like trying to do finances God's way. So, church, this is why I love like I said, free advice that just might change your life. Step out. Trust God. Everything you have is already from Him anyways. You're like, no, but i work my butt off. No, you don't. God gave you the power in your feet to walk. God gave you the breath in your lungs to wake up. God gave you the mind that, that makes you the money that you think you make on yourself. That's not from you. That's from God. God has given you everything. Everything is already His. And so you giving generously is you just partnering with what he already wants to do with what is already his.
1: Right.
0: That's what happens when we give generously. So that is the financial update and my little rant about generosity. Uh, <laughs> some of you, some of you asked if there's like, uh, you know, a way to access the most current financial information. Uh, we have a quarterly finance meeting, and we always put those reports. So we try to, on our website, if you go to happenings, the happenings page down at the very bottom, it'll have the latest financial um, update there. So moving on, I want to talk about our reality team for a bit here. The last time we did a church update, um, it was a hard time. We had, we had to make some changes. Uh, one person had resigned, and then a, another person got called to... Uh, Hawaii. And then we had to let somebody go to right size for the season that we were in. But by the grace of God, we're at a place where we've been able to uh, make some very key staffing hires that we believe are going to be a huge benefit to the mission of God through Reality Ventura and a massive blessing, not only to our team, but we pray to the church and ultimately to the nations. Um, We'll also feel the effects of these hires. So Briefly, I'm gonna talk about the way our team is structured, but I'm not gonna go into detail about this because at our last update, I went into detail. So if you have questions after I talk about our leadership structure, please go listen to the uh, March 2018 church update. I talk about it a, a lot more in depth there. But just briefly here, the way that the leadership structure works is that we believe Jesus is the senior pastor. He is the chief shepherd. Now that is not us trying to be cute or clever, or overly spiritual, or to shirk responsibility by not giving somebody that title. This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5. It is the phrase, chief shepherd, perfectly translated, senior pastor. That is the title that is given to Jesus in the Bible. This is not a pastor's church, and this is not a team of pastor's church. This is Jesus's Church. The church is his. He is the senior pastor, which means then that us as under pastors, under shepherds, look to him as the chief shepherd, the senior pastor in everything that we do and for every moment and every season of the church and every situation. We will also notice that we um, often don't use the word pastor. We, we usually use the word elder when referring to one of us. Um, and if we happen to use the word pastor, we are always referring to one of the elders. The reason for this is because this is also what we see in the Bible. The noun pastor is actually only used for Jesus except for one time in the Bible, but the noun elder is most often used for the people who lead and shepherd and teach. An elder is not a older successful businessman who's on an elder board at a church, although that's what a lot of our elder boards in American churches are made up of. Now, an elder can be an older successful businessman but what we've seen in the Bible is that elders are those who preach and shepherd and lead the church. So what our culture calls pastor is actually what the Bible calls elder. And so we've adopted that term uh, for that use. And the elders at Reality Ventura are myself, Billy Hunter, and Chad Amico. And the elders lead the church in all matters and then lead the rest of the team. And we do this submitted to Jesus as the senior pastor. And then we lead in what we would call plurality which uh, means mutual submission to one another, to lead as a team. The clear model in the New Testament is team leadership in the local church. We call it plurality. Plurality means that there's a lot of collaboration and there is a lot of mutual submission and that we are less dependent and not dependent on one single person. However, operating as a team does not mean that there is no first among equals or a final buck stopper. So although uh, there was a team and we lead as a team in mutual submission to one another with Jesus as the senior plas- pastor, we always put in place a, what we call first among equals. So on our team, I'm the first among equals. Now, a first among equals is not a clever way of saying senior pastor. There is no one guy. I am not the one guy who's like making decisions and whatever I say goes. That's a lot of times how a senior pastor model operates. That is not That's not what happens here. That's why we don't use that term because I'm a first among equals. I would liken it to a quarterback on a team, right? I grew up playing football and quarterback uh, is the guy that the team looks to to move the ball down the field and to constantly be in communication with the coach as to what play they're gonna run, right? But a quarterback also knows his weaknesses. He also knows that there's a necessary other team members if they're ever gonna get to the touchdown, right? To the end zone. And so he he works in tandem with the team. He knows I'm not as powerful as one of my linemen. I'm not as fast as a receiver. I'm not as quick and agile as a running back. And so we're all leaning on one another. And the team knows sometimes the quarterback couldn't hear what the coach was saying. So they're going to need to step in. And sometimes I may not hear, right? And so though Billy and Chad look to me, I am looking to them. And there was mutual submission and respect there. And we lead together as a team. I don't ever make decisions by myself. They wouldn't let me do that. we purposefully set up our team structure to be like this. Um, there is also a plurality among our preaching with what we have uh, called as a preaching team. If you've been here for a few months, maybe just, you just started coming, you'll notice that there's not just one person who preaches all the time. It's because we have a, a preaching team. And each person on that team preaches some. And then each person on that team also contributes to every uh, sermon through our, pre- our weekly preaching meetings. And although I lead the preaching team, I'm not preaching every week. We don't have one guy who does that. rather a team of preachers, which means that we share the preaching responsibilities, like I just mentioned. It's part of what it means to be a team. But being a team also means that we collaborate and contribute. There is sermon collaboration and contribution. It's not just that we rotate, but that each one of us are speaking into every sermon. On any given Sunday, you will hear the voice of, of Chad and Billy and myself and maybe Brian Buffin and Kevin Castaneda, whoever was at the preaching meeting in the sermon, even though all of us aren't preaching that week. So we've been very intentional uh, and careful about how we have structured the leadership model. And it, we believe it's a biblical way. And it's not that God doesn't use other models. He certainly does. Uh, but as far as we can discern, this is what we see in the New Testament. And so uh, we do it and and it's real. Some of you guys ask us like, is that real, dude? Like, plurality thing? Like, it's just, like, I, don't ask me, because I might be biased, but ask Chad and Billy, and the answer is yes. And uh, not only is it real, but it also works. So, real quickly here, I'd like to uh, introduce you to the larger Reality Ventura team by just showing some pictures and briefly saying who the people are and what they do. Um, and you can contact all these people on our Reality Ventura website. If you go to team, they'll have emails right there as well as some fun facts about... <laughs> Each of them. Uh, First of all, there's a board of directors that won't be up here. That board is comprised of myself, Don Tucker, who was just up here sharing that testimony, and then Tyler Morgan, who's on staff at Reality Carp. Uh, the board does not lead the church. It's something that's required of us by the state of California as a nonprofit, and so we have that in place. However, we do look to the board to help us with financial decisions and to act as an uh, auxiliary finance team whenever there's a financial decision that needs to be made that um, where the elders, um, there's a conflict of interest among the elders, and we're very thankful for them, but they're not gonna be up here on the screen. Uh, I'll start with the elders here. Uh, My name is Dominic. If you don't know, you can call me Dom if you want. My name is not Dominique. Uh, And uh, I'm the pastor elder over vision and worship life, which means that I lead our team in big picture vision. And I have the cultural and spiritual oversight over the worship life of the church. Stuff like our Sunday gatherings, um, our corporate prayer meetings, the preaching team. And then I I oversee like the big picture vision of the musical worship um, in partnership with our worship director who I'll introduce in a bit and then every ministry if it's not led by an elder has an elder that oversees it this is a way for us to just provide care and support for those who are leading the ministries and even from time to time be able to speak into those things some vision that might be helpful for that and so for me I'm an the elder over the the worship ministry musical worship ministry although there's a director And then the elder over the women's ministry, which is led by Kelly and Leanne Suji. And then the elder over business and finance, where John, Chrissy, and Fong do all of the actual day-to-day business and finance work. Next, Chad. Uh, You guys know Chad. By the way, Chad became a grandpa last night. His, His oldest son, Caleb, and his wife, Taylor, had a beautiful little healthy baby boy named Byron last night. So that's why Chad is not here Today, they're basking in the glory of what is a baby. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: But Chad is a a pastor elder, and he leads our marriage ministry and our Sunday prayer teams. Um, He's also very involved in the global ministry. Um, He's on our preaching team, and he has historically done a lot of administrative work as well and a lot of operations stuff, although that will be being lifted in the coming weeks and months as we just hired a uh, ministry operations coordinator. Chad is the elder over global ministry, where there is a global director, Jen Weir, and Radical Recovery, which is a recovery ministry led by Tino and Chrissy Rico. Billy is also a pastor elder, and he leads, uh, Billy was doing uh, uh, announcements, he leads men's ministry in our community groups. Um, He's also on our preaching team and preaches every month. He is the elder over kids ministry, which is led by Anna Herring, and uh, the youth ministry, which is in transition right now. And like Chad, Billy has had a lot of operations stuff on his plate that is gonna to begin to be lifted as we're bringing on uh, Lori as a ministry operations coordinator. Anna is our kids director, which means she leads the kids ministry and coordinates all of our volunteers for kids ministry. That's a good smile, right? Uh, Elena is our youth director. ministry assistant, which means that she assists the youth ministry in all things youth, and then helps us, the rest of us, uh, with other things. Also, Elena is seven months pregnant right now. She's just, just this, all day. So if you see her, give her a little love. She's tired. She's like, you know how it is, ladies. I've seen it several times with my woman. It's like, you get seven months, it's like, I'm ready for baby now. Um, Leanne and Kelly, are the women's ministry co-directors? They do a wonderful job. Uh, our youth director—we uh, don't know who that is—some some awesome sauce dude. And uh, we're in the middle of finishing up interviews with several very qualified, great candidates for youth directors, and we're finishing up our last one this next week. We hope to have an answer. Um, and make a a hire by the end of the month for youth ministry, which we're excited about. Next, Jen Weir works uh, under Chad and with Chad in the global ministry. She is the, the global ministry coordinator, as well as she works with the team of nine individuals who are all volunteers who make up our sending team. Uh, The sending team is there with Jan working together in order to care for our partners on the field as well as walk through the process when anybody is interested in becoming a global partner and going to the nations. Lori DePalma is our ministry operations coordinator. Lori is officially starting tomorrow. So that's exciting. And she'll be lifting a lot of the administrative and operations load from Chad and Billy, really freeing them up, to do more pastoral work and ministry. These next three that I'm gonna mention here briefly are um, what we call independent contractors. So they're, they're a vital part of our team and work intimately with our staff, but they're not uh, on salary and they're not technically staff members, um, although they are a vital part of our, our staff. They don't work in the office. They work from a remote location. The first two, though, do go to church here. They're a part of our church. First of all, John, He's the acting director of finance, providing big picture oversight over finance. John's um, fun facts on the website are pretty fun if you go to that page. Uh, Chrissy Hirsch is our bookkeeper. And then Fong Lin, we don't have a a photo of her, but um, she provides HR work for us. She lives in Hawaii, and she used to work at Reality Carp. Um, She does that on a project-by-project basis as we need HR help. And so this is our our team right here with Jesus in the middle. Um, Yeah. Um, Now, I said we're going to do an exercise today, and you can just leave that picture up for a minute, Justin. I said we're going to do an exercise, and we'll we'll do that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I wanted to um, make an important announcement about... Our team that relates to that little blank spot um, next between Elena and Jesus. Uh, so, uh, as you as you may or may not have known, there's been a need for some while for. Uh, a someone to direct the worship ministry, the musical worship ministry. And I, I've done what I could over the last couple of years, but quite frankly, it wasn't a part of my job description. But because I was passionate about it and had experience and had deep care for it, it's such a vital part of our church. I've done what I could to care for our worship leaders and help raise them up and train them and provide love and care and family-ness there. Um, but there's been a need for quite some while for somebody to really step in and, and do that. You know, we believe that worship, as we worship God, rather, that as we worship Him, that He manifests His presence, okay? And when we are in His presence, that parts of heaven start to come to earth. The kingdom, right? It's the kingdom starting to manifest in people's lives, right? So then people start seeing their need for Jesus. That's what's happening. When people start seeing their need for Jesus and sinner orphans start coming home and broken marriages start being restored and broken lives start being restored and hope starts being restored and broken bodies can be healed and miracles can happen when we're in the presence of God. Musical worship is a key value of our church because we value the presence of God and God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. When the Bible speaks of praise, it speaks specifically of worship through song. That's what the Bible is talking about. Whenever it says praise, it's talking about singing, worshiping God through song and God inhabits, lives among, manifests his presence when his people worship through song. And so we want to be faithful We want to be faithful with what we have in front of us with the worship ministry because we see what it does. We see the effects of it, not to mention that it is good and fulfilling and life-giving for the soul. I don't know if you guys realize it, but we are abundantly blessed as a church in the worship ministry. Okay, like I, I've demonstrated over a hundred churches around the world. I've seen dozens and dozens of people leading worship. And there's some anointed people out there. But I'm telling you guys, the team of worship leaders that we have here at our church is not just gifted. Like you can learn gifting, right? But they are anointed. They're anointed by God. And there's like a team of them. Usually at a church this size, there's one guy or gal who's hopefully gifted and Pray to God they're also anointed. Right? There's one usually. Here there is a several. There is several anointed worship leaders. That's the grace of God. And so we want to be faithful with that and what we have in front of us. But we also want to lay the groundwork for what is coming. Because I believe it's just the beginning of what God wants to do in that. So there's been a need for quite some time now for someone to step in and, and direct that ministry. And I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Um, the idea of that was a little scary for me because I've been leading worship for 20 years and uh, it's really dear and near to my heart. And so this pra- process has been like a big deal for me. And before we bring this person up on stage, which we're gonna do in just a minute, introduce you to him. I need you guys to know something. I need you to know church that I believe in this guy. And here's why that matters. Cause normally I, my endorsement shouldn't really be that big of a deal to you. But here's why that matters that I believe in this guy. Because since 1997, I have led worship or music every single week of my life, okay? For the better part of 20 years. Which means that unfortunately, I am terribly picky about worship leaders and have a terribly high standard. And that I see every possible flaw when somebody else is leading worship. Which means then that I can be okay being in the room when someone else is leading, but very rarely happy when someone else is leading. I'll tell you what, you guys, I am often happy in this room with all of our worship leaders, but to be happy enough and to see potential enough in someone so much so that I want to ask them to direct the ministry at a church where I'm the first among equals and I have such a deep passion and experience leading worship is on a different level for me, right? It's a really big deal for me. There is an extremely short list of people who I would even consider having a conversation about this position with. And I know a lot of worship leaders. There's only three people. There's three of them. And honestly, as I began to think about it, there was only one that I would really be okay with in this position at Reality Ventura. This, this guy is not only talented, right? Talent's a dime a dozen. What I want is anointing, right? And this dude is anointed, but he also has humility, surrender, and a teachable heart, which means that there is even more opportunity for more growth and more fruit. So he'll be the director of worship and creative arts, which means worship ministry, and then graphic design, video, that kind of stuff. He'll be overseeing that as well. Last thing I'll say about this before we bring him up is this, five years ago, uh, one of the elders in Carp said, hey, if that dude is ever a free agent, meaning he doesn't have a job, we have to try to hire him. And uh, a year ago, he, he lost his job and who called within 24 hours Reality Cart called this dude offered him this job basically offered him this job that I'm describing right now and he turned it down because he felt so deeply called to Reality Ventura and there was no job offer from Reality Ventura there was no even job conversation from Reality Ventura 12 months ago but he felt so deeply called to invest here to be here called to keep giving here he didn't think it was a staff thing or not he was like I'm here this is my people I'm going to invest here And uh, so we prayed and talked and waited for nine months and then prayed and talked and waited some more. And a few months ago, I really believed that God was in this, not just for right now, but for what is to come in the future. And so I had the conversation with him and he accepted our offer. It has been a slow process of discovery and discussion. And I could not be more thrilled. So he'll be acting as the director of worship and uh, creative arts, and I'm going to invite him up to the stage. Would you please give some love to Brian Buffin? So you you know Brian, you've seen him lead worship, he leads worship. Uh, at least a couple of times a month, and listen, I don't, we don't usually go so long on the introduction, right? Like that was a, that was a pretty good introduction, right, for somebody. Uh, but part of the reason we did that is not just because I'm deeply like connected and passionate about that, but because it's such a visible position, you know, and the worship ministry is such a vital part of our gatherings and who we are as a church, and the effects of it don't don't just, aren't contained to this room. You know, they go outside of the four walls. And so really wanted to talk about the importance of this position. Um, And so right now, as we do, when we bring somebody on staff, we're just gonna pray Brian in. Um, I'm gonna say a prayer. And would you please just agree with me as I I pray this? Lord, I'm so deeply uh, just like Satisfied and pleased with, with you bringing Brian and uh, like highlighting him to us over the last couple of years. So thankful for that, Lord. And we as a church are thankful for music and musical worship. You use music as a deep tool to do deep work in our hearts in our bodies even, in the spiritual realm. You see, you drive out demons as people sing. I mean, Lord, this is a deep part of who we are as a church and as, as children of God. Thank you for the gift of worshiping through song. And we thank you for what you have done and will continue to do in our times of worshiping you through song in this church and in this room. Thank you for how that will affect our communities and our families and the nations. And we believe that uh, you've called Brian for such a time as this. I believe he is the, the right guy. I really do believe that, Lord, so much. I'm so thankful for that. I really believe he's the right guy for this time. And so I ask in faith that you would give him everything he needs for this season, all the wisdom, all the anointing, all the insight. all of the power, and all of the humility to do what you've called him to do. Keep his heart big and his head small, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, what you will continue to do. We look forward to how you will use him, our other worship leaders and musicians, and musical worship through this church, Reality Ventura. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're done with the update and uh, introducing Brian. And as I said, we're, we're gonna finish this. We're not, we're not gonna do a normal second set like we normally do, like a 20, 25-minute second set of worship. We're just gonna sing one song in about 15 minutes. So don't leave. Please don't leave, okay? Listen, this is the beginning of 2019, guys. And so what we wanna do right now is this little exercise. Specifically, it's a prayer exercise. Now, before you get all freaked out, and leave. This is going to be a simple, easy prayer exercise. Okay. You don't have to get all scared about, I don't pray out loud. I don't have enough words. You don't need a lot of words. Actually, you're just going to need one word. Okay. It's really easy, but we are going to pray in just a few moments in, in, in groups of three or four. Okay. What I want to do is I just want to like usher in 2019 by us praying together as a church and don't trip out when somebody asks you to pray when you're in church. Okay, It should be like a normal thing. Okay, it should be all right for us to pray together in church. And I don't want just me to pray or just one of the elders to pray. I want us to pray together. And so I'm going to lead us through a few categories of how to pray and what um, specifically some subjects to pray. But before we do that, take 30, 45 seconds to get in groups of Three or four, if you don't know the people you're with, quickly, briefly introduce yourself and then I'll, I'll walk us uh, through this. Should be introduced by now. So here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, We're going to start with praise. We're going to start with thanking God. Looking back at 2018, this is the first Sunday of 2019, so we're looking back at 2018 and we are going to start with praise. Enter the courts of God with thanksgiving, okay? Well, here's how we're going to do it we are going to find one word that represents something or somebody that we are thankful for. Okay, one word, this is a discipline. This is gonna be a good discipline, which means you're gonna have to maybe sit with it and wait on it for a few moments, maybe sit in silence, which is awkward for a lot of us to do, but it's good and right and okay to do that. And so I'm gonna have us ask for one word that represents something or somebody we're thankful for in a few different categories. So for instance, I might say, okay, under the category of family, what is one word that I am thankful for in regards to my family represents something or somebody in my family? And it might just be grace, right? Or it might be forgiveness or it might be the name of a person. It might be like my wife, okay? And then I'll, I'll walk us through a few different categories. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, cool. So let's just t- start by taking a moment here and just turning our eyes of our hearts toward toward God and um, just quiet our hearts for a second. You can shut your eyes if you want. All right, let's start off with one word and we'll just go around, you know, one at a time in your group. One word that represents something or somebody you are thankful for in 2018 in regards to the category of personal, like, okay, so it's a person, anything personal having to do with your person, your personal life, your body, your mind, your heart, whatever. Regarding personal, what is one word that represents something you're thankful for? Go ahead. It could be a phrase if one word is too difficult. All right, next, let's think about one word and then we'll speak it out loud one at a time in your groups that represents something or somebody you are thankful for in 2018 under the umbrella of family. Let's do one word that represents thanks regarding friends and community. All right, now let's, let's do one word that represents someone or something we are thankful for about or in our church. In this praise category Let's find A word Or a phrase That represents Something we are thankful for About the character Of God All right, we're gonna move to this next little section here. Um, that was praise, and now we're gonna petition. Petition means to, to ask. Jesus said sometimes, you have not because you ask not. Um, so we're gonna come up with one word that represents a request, something as we look to 2019. Lord, would you do this, maybe it's this week, maybe it's this month, maybe it's this year. First of all, one word that represents a request of God under the category of personal. Now, let's find one word or phrase that represents a request of God, something we're asking of God under the category of family. represents a request of God regarding your friends and your community. Lastly, with this petition request section, um, let's find one word or phrase that represents a request of God regarding our church. The last thing I want to do uh, before we just sing this one song is uh, I think maybe the Lord might want to heal some people today you know we believe God still does that stuff in Exodus uh, 15 he said to his people I am the Lord your healer God's the same yesterday today and forever and then Jesus told his disciples The kingdom of heaven is near. Go and heal the sick. Raise the dead even. Cleanse the leper. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Now freely you give. And so he invites us into um, being his hands and his feet for sometimes his miraculous healing power to go forth into the body of Christ and then even those outside of the body of Christ. And so... Here's what I want to ask, Um, is there anybody in here today who is in need of healing, who is in need of a miraculous touch of God, maybe it's on your body, maybe it's on your psyche, maybe it's on a relationship, maybe it's on a situation, if there's anybody in need of healing, I'm just going to ask that you would stand right now. If you're not standing, um, just take a look around and find someone who is standing around you and uh, we want to gather around those people. So get up, get out of your chair, go ahead and gather around them, ask them if it's okay. If you can put a hand on their shoulder, on their back. And then those of you who are standing, if, uh, if there's something physical in you and it's a a physical part of your body that would be appropriate to talk about and to have touched um and you're comfortable with it go ahead and just let the people know around you what that is and if if you don't say anything we'll assume that it's either private or that you don't it's not public information or that it doesn't have anything to do with your body And then those around, as long as it's appropriate, uh, if it's somewhere physical on their body, maybe a head or a shoulder or a back or a foot or a knee, a mind, uh, maybe just ask them if, if you can put your hand on them. It's what we see in the is The laying on of hands. Sometimes God brings his healing through that specific laying on of hands or specific part of the body. So go ahead and just ask them if that's okay if you place a hand there. And I'm going to pray now one prayer for all of us. Uh, It's not the prayer or the faith or the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It is the healer that we put our faith in and that we pray to and that we pray with a prayer of faith to who brings the healing. And so I'm going to pray. And if you're laying hands on someone around you and if you're having hands laid on, you just agree with me as I pray this. Two or more are gathered and they agree. Uh, They have that thing for which they ask as long as it is in accordance with the will of God. And so, Lord, I'm asking now that you would just come in power. Lord, you're the healer. It's what you do. It's who you are. I am the Lord, your healer, you said. And so I'm just asking that you would come right now in power and that you would do it. And as you heal people, as you heal people right now, that you would save people through the healing, through that guy's healing, through that woman's healing, that people around them in their sphere would see the healing and would begin to praise God and give their lives over to you, putting their faith in you, Jesus. Jesus, you taught us to pray that the kingdom would come to earth just as it is in heaven. And so here's what I wanna ask, Lord. I just wanna do what you said. I wanna pray right now that the kingdom of heaven would manifest itself and that the king of the kingdom, you would manifest yourself In every single one of these people standing, and in their lives and in their situations, in their bodies, in their minds. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no sickness, and so we're asking that sickness would be gone. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no disease, and so we're asking that disease would leave. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no pain. In the kingdom of heaven, there's no depression. In the kingdom of heaven, there's no anxiety. There is no fear in the kingdom of heaven. There is no distress in the kingdom of heaven. There is no division in the kingdom of heaven. There is no broken marriages. There is no dishonoring. There is no betrayal. There is no deep emotional wounds. There is no broken bodies. There is no death in the kingdom of heaven. There is no despair. There is no shame in the kingdom of heaven. There is no condemnation in the kingdom of heaven. There is no divorce in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, you said, pray for the kingdom to come like it is in heaven. And so we're asking, Lord, that just like the kingdom is in heaven right now, where all that stuff I just mentioned is gone and where there is joy and there is life and there is grace and there is satisfaction and there is abundance and there is wealth and there is healing and there is wholeness and there is joy, and there is happiness, and there is smiles, and there is a lightness, and there is freedom. Where there is light, and there is grace, and there is love. We're asking that your kingdom would come and manifest itself, and that you, the king of the kingdom, would come and manifest your presence and your power and all that you are in every single one of these lives. We ask, Lord, that you would do it For your glory, for your fame. This is who you are, Lord. For your purpose, and then in turn for our good. If you feel led to continue to pray during this next song for that person you're laying hands on, go ahead and do so. Otherwise, we're going to
1: sing now. Let it be, Lord.